Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Let's go ahead and read Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing from, uh, for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not uh, put on tunics, two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any of any uh, place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed uh, with oil many who were sick and healed them. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, today. Uh, we do pray and we ask uh, that you uh, would be with us today lord give us the strength uh give us the power through the holy spirit to uh, be able to witness to people to be able to pray with people uh to be able to show hospitality to those that come uh for the night of worship and uh, we do pray for each uh person that's going to be there performing uh we just ask lord that you just fill them with the holy spirit that they would just be worshiping to you and and glorifying you and that uh, it would bring glory to you and we do pray for Pastor Wade Collier, who's going to bring the word. We ask that you be with him, fill him with the Holy Spirit, and give him the words. And I pray that for me today uh, as we uh, seek application through your word, as we seek to be at the center of your word. We just pray, Father God, for um, uh, just uh, a wonderful day and uh, just a wonderful time in, in your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I entitled this uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13, The Twelve Sent Out and Proclaimed Repentance. The Twelve Sent Out and Proclaimed Repentance. We'll look at it in three parts. Jesus sent out the Twelve in verses 7 and 9. Jesus instructed the Twelve in verses 10 and 11. And Jesus gave power to the Twelve in verses 12 and 13. So last week we left off in our scripture where Jesus had uh, marveled at the unbelief of his hometown. Uh, there was lack of faith and, and lack of trust and, and a refusal of repentance. And uh, so Jesus was only able to do some healing there. But one of the things we do need to remember is that Jesus' power wasn't limited. Fully God, fully man. He could have healed more. The problem was is they didn't want to repent. You know, they, they, they didn't want to believe who he was. And now what's going to happen is he, as he goes out and he starts teaching, the 12 now are going to be called to go out. And so we see uh, and as Jesus sends out the 12 in verse 7, it says, And he called the 12 
and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So the twelve that are called, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, uh, we get uh, the, the calling itself that uh, when these men originally uh, step in and, and God had placed it on his heart to, uh, that these would be the, the guys that would be called. It says in, uh, in verse 12, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. And when he came, he called his disciples and chose them. Uh, chose from them twelve, who he named apostles, Simon, who he, na he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, uh, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of uh, James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a betrayer. And what's going to happen when these men are called is this is actually going to continue the promise that was given to Abram. This is, this, these men are going to continue that promise by stepping out and answering the call that Jesus put on his heart. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the Apostle Paul actually shares this promise as well in the covenant. So we can see that the apostles, when they answered the call, actually did what they were supposed to do. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, it says in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed so it was always god's plan that salvation was for everyone it was always that way you'll have you'll have theologians that will argue that it was just for the jews in the old testament and that's not true i you know i don't understand how you get all nations and you you just you know focus on one nation uh, and i think paul kind of breaks that down in galatians chapter 3 for us to realize that this was always the plan that's why we have the whole bible you know, when we look through Genesis through Revelation, it's all about his son Jesus and salvation. And so the, the, there's a very familiar number, too, with the number 12 in the Bible. It's very important. And so the disciples are continuing this promise. And the other, uh, other cool thing about that number 12 in the Bible is it's the same number as Jacob's sons, the 12 tribes, in Genesis chapter 49, verses 28. And all these 12 tribes of Israel, this is what the Father said to them as he bless them blessing each with a, a blessing suitable to him in revelation 12 21 12 it had a great high wall the 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and on the gates names of the 12 tribes of the sons of israel were inscribed and then in revelation 22 2 we talk about the 12 kinds of fruit uh, that are mentioned there it says through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river, the tree of life with, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit uh, each month. The leaves, the tree were healing of the nations. And so we see the number 12 is very familiar in the Bible. The next thing he says in there as he called the 12, he says, I'm going to begin to send them out two by two. Two by two. 
Ecclesians chapter uh, 4 verse 9 says two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. Uh, the law actually requires two witnesses for the Jews in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. It says, on evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. It requires two. If only one person saw it, nothing you could do. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, Paul deals with the Corinthians and he says the same thing. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by an evidence of two or three witnesses. This is why it's very important when we go to send, send somebody out to minister to somebody, we want you to go in pairs of two. Why? It's important. One is discipleship. When I went out to go do iron sharpens iron, I took Jimmy with me because it gave me time to spend with him. It's an hour drive out there and an hour drive back. So I got to spend time knowing how to pray for him, what's going on in his life, talking with him about stuff. And then when we get there, I talk. And then next time he talked, he went up about a month ago. And what did he do? He did the same thing. He took Jason with him. I told him, I said, take somebody with you. Because that's time that you get to spend with him one-on-one. Joe did that with me. First time we ever went to the hospital, to Bampsey. We had a young man uh, probably, man, seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. Man, where did time go? Um, the mom ran into Skip in California at the San Diego, I believe San Diego airport. And, um, and she ran up to Skip and said, my son uh, was hit by an IED and is in Bamsey in San Antonio. And um, can you send somebody to pray for him? And so Skip said, I got a guy. And he called Joe, well, not Skip, Skip's secretary called Joe. And uh, we went, and so Joe had to go, and he goes, Mike, you want to go with me? And so, yeah, at, so one of the things that we learned from going two by two, one, we prayed before we went. So we were praying knowing that we were going to go. And at the same time, we're praying as we go in. Before we go in, we pray. And then I'm praying as Joe's ministering. And at the same time, sometimes that person you take, God may put something on their heart that's so important that gets shared by the Holy Spirit, and that's why it's important to take two people. It's, it, it's very important. So whenever we send you out to go pray for somebody, there'll be somebody with you. That's how that works. So it's, it's very important that we have, have that. Plus, it's a form of discipleship, Right? It's a form of discipleship. It's very important. All right, so we see that they went out two by two, and he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now, the 12 apostles are to carry on the work of, of God with authority. And so Jesus is equipping them, he's commissioning them, but he's also calling them. So the apostles, these men that were uh, with Jesus from the very beginning, that had left everything, they, they, they've gotten to see the authority of Jesus' teaching. They've seen the authority that he's had over uh, demons. They've seen the authority that he has over sickness and illness. They've seen him rejected. And yet, they've had time with him one-on-one. -on -one. 
They've walked with him. They've sat with him. They've talked with him. And, and now God is going to send them out to do what they learned. But at the same time, one of the things that I, I, when I was reading that, I was like, man, just think about that time that they had. How precious that time was. That one-on-one -on -one time to be able to ask Jesus anything. But do you realize you have that too? The veil's torn. You're, that's something that should be something that we should have as well. We are to uh, look to have that time with the Lord daily. But He's also given you authority and commissioned you. And that's in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It's been given to each one of us. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so he gives them authority. Authority, not just authority, but to exercise that authority. One of the things it says in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 10, in the Synoptic Gospel, it says that he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. So he's sending them out to proclaim God's kingdom. And one of the things that's different, because it's real cool, because at the end of the day, Mark shares about unclean spirits. And Luke shares about to heal. Right? And you go, well, wait a minute. Is there a contradiction in the Bible? There's not. Remember, Mark is writing for a specific audience. He's writing to the Romans. And the Romans were steeped and demonic spirits because of the stuff they practice they worship false gods they 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 had they actually used sexual immorality to worship and and so when we practice these things there is going to be a demonic influence and that's what mark was focused on with his audience where luke was focused on healing and so uh, one of the things that we need to remember is that it, it, it says in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32, it says that, uh, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what, what ought not to be done. You know, do you see this in our culture today? Very much. Do we see a demonic influence in America today? Very much. Very much. If you read the rest of the verses there in verse 29 of Romans chapter 1, it says, Then uh, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And if I look at what's happening in our culture today, I would say that's America. A lot of people have denied God. I mean, it's funny when you, well, it's not funny, but when you see the satanic church fighting to try to continue abortions because their religious freedoms are being, they've been given up to a debased mind. They've rejected God. And, and to uh, abortionists, for demonics, that is some type of uh, worship. They consider that worship. 
And, and so we see this happening in America today. It's, it's crazy because there was such a demonic... That's why Jesus kept running into unclean spirits all the time. Because they, they were practicing this stuff. And this stuff is being practiced in Texas. And, and so, yeah, I, you know, you read all the stuff, envy, murder, strife, disobedient to parents. It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> that's, but that's how you honor your mother, your mother and father. That's, that's how much God is serious about that, right? Honoring your mother and father, right? But one of the things that we have to do is we have to get back as a church to proclaim the kingdom of God. We proclaim the kingdom of God. And so that's why when he says he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God in Luke chapter 9, verse 2, we preach God, we preach his holiness, we preach his righteousness, and we preach his peace because we know it can save. And that's what we should be doing. And that's what's going to happen here today. In verse 8 it says, He charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money, in their belts so jesus gives them orders and for us who have been in the military we very much understand those and uh so he's telling them hey this is what you're going to carry this is what you're going to wear this is where you're going to stay you can take a walking stick and the walking stick is for really self-defense uh, because there are wild animals and thieves right and, and so they weren't to take any extra provision because God was going to provide everything that they needed. In verse 9 it says, But to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. So sandals and not two tunics. What is a tunic? It's just an, a, an inner garment or an undergarment, right? No food, no money, no extra, no extra undergarments. Just simplicity and dependence on God. That's it. And I started thinking about this today as like, how much stuff are we carrying today that we're not supposed to be carrying? That God never told you to pick up? Because if you look how he sent out the, uh, how he sent out the, uh, the apostles, he sent them out light, right? With very little, dependent on God. And that's really for us too, is we need to be dependent on God. And so sometimes what happens when we have too much stuff or too many worries or fears. Because I can tell you at 4 o'clock this morning I was going through everything in my head. What else do we need to do still? And I finally was like, Lord, I need to stop my mind from racing. Because you know what's crazy? This is just a side note. Charles Stanley was talking about this. And, and one of the things he was talking about, he's like, you know what? God wants you to get quiet with him. And when he talks about getting quiet with him, you got to turn off all the stuff. And he said, you can have somebody who's in bed, your husband, your spouse, right? In bed, eyes closed, and they're not at peace. They may look like they're at peace, but they're not because their mind's racing 100 miles a minute. And we need to get quiet. We need to be able to, and sometimes we allow so much stuff that we're, we're not supposed to be carrying. And, and so I, I love Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It's my favorite verse in the Bible. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, 
not on the things that are on earth. That's what he's telling these apostles. Don't carry all that stuff. Focus on me. God's going to provide everything that you need. And so for us, what we need is that eternal perspective. We need to drop the bags of the world, the things that we're not supposed to be carrying. Right? We need to let those go. They, they be, what happens is they start to become a distraction in our relationship with God. And that's a hard thing because I, I've, I have picked bags up that God has told me to put down. Right? The other thing is a money bag. Right? He talks about a money bag. And, and can I tell you something that it, it, it's not a secret and it's really a spoiler alert because you have the whole Bible. You should know this already. It's all going to get burned up. It's all going to get burned up. It tells us that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and its works that are done on it will be exposed. And then we see in Revelation 21, 1, we see that I, I then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. It doesn't say you get a new house. Like, like it, your house is not going to be in heaven, and your stuff is coming with you we we have a tight grip sometimes on that stuff and we need to let go of it but he says a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away they're gone and the sea was no more that's going to be hard for me because i love the sea i was like man every time i read that in the bible i'm like so instead of us trying to amass stuff here on earth we should be trying to store things in heaven Matthew chapter 6, verses 19, it says, Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up your, for yourselves treasures in heavens where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now, I remember Pastor Joe always saying, where you're... Where your treasure is, your heart will be. I can check your debit card statement or your bank statement, and I'll see where your heart is. And, and honestly, you know, what we're, what we're talking about here is God providing. So travel light, Christian. Right? Travel light. Uh, why? Uh, rapture could happen in any moment. We're going to learn that this Wednesday. It's not like when the rapture happens, you're going to grab, I'm, you know, rapture happens, I'm grabbing mics and stuff on the way up. That's, none of that stuff's happening. When the rapture happens, it's done. You're gone on to heaven, and then the tribulation begins here. Your stuff's gone. You know, and at the end of the day, we need to not put so much on that. I love Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 through 34. It's one of those verses that we know very well, but we struggle to live. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this is the hard part in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We have to depend on God. And that's what he's trying to teach them, is to be dependent on God. And, and it, what's cool is, when you get to the end of the book of Luke, uh, they actually have a discussion 
about them being sent out. And you get to see what happened when they were sent out. In Luke chapter 22, verse 35, And he said to them, When I sent you out, this is Jesus, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, Nothing. Nothing. And they didn't lack anything. And so when we, when we look at you know, things in our life, maybe there's some things that do need to get let, we need to let go of. I can tell you, we won't be doing another one of these events for a while. Because it, it's a lot, and all, and it's a lot, and and you know at the end of the day, I'm, I'm I'm I love doing them, but it requires more help, and so it's probably I'll get the I'll get the itch again in about seven, six to seven months, and I'll go I want to do it again, because I love doing outreaches, I love being able to try to reach people that we would never get to reach that would never come through the doors, but they would come to an event. You know, that's the important thing is evangelism has to happen. You know, and, and so we, we need to be ready for uh, what God is calling us to do in ministry. And, and at the same time, we need to be totally dependent on God. Right? Next uh, point we see is Jesus instructed the twelve. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. So he's telling them, you don't just show up randomly to any old house, but you need to inquire and find somebody who is of like mind or has worthy in the good sense. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 11, in the Synoptic Gospel, it says, In whatever town or a village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. So for us, the first time that we came to Divine, we were welcomed into the Winstrom house. And it was a blessing. And we were like, okay, cool. You know, because we hadn't been, I mean, we brought Court and Donna with us and all, but we, this was the first house in Divine that we got to go to. And so we were blessed. And, and it kind of let us know, okay, this is where we're supposed to be. You know, God is just reconfirming, reconfirming. And, and at the end of the day, we, we were like-minded. We were brothers and sisters in Christ that, that want to, uh, want to see the work of the Lord be done here in divine. The Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 28, verse 14, he says, There we find brothers and, and we're invited to stay there for, uh, with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And so they're going to stay with people of like mind. They're going to stay with people and spend time with them to minister to them, to allow them to have hospitality given to them. And, and so it's, it's going to be a blessing on both sides. Uh, the people who open their doors up to them and at the same time for them to be able to stay and talk to them about Jesus. It says in verse 11, And if any place will not receive you, they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Now in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, uh, we'll read verse 15. It says, because uh, it says the same thing about shaking off the dust of your feet, but in verse 15 of Matthew 10, it says, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And, and that's, and we'll talk about this when we get to repentance, is Sodom and Gomorrah is used as a reference throughout the scripture for us to see what happens when you don't repent. It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous place to be. It's like they, they know that, hey, they didn't listen to Jesus. 
right? When the demon-possessed man was chained up and he's, he, he was healed and then he was in his right mind and the legion goes out into the pigs and what do they do? You got to go. And shake off the dust. In his own hometown, you got to go. And shake off the dust. And so people will reject you. You need to be understanding that that's going to happen. But it says that that, that will be for, for those who reject the message of Jesus. It'll be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and that's really sad because at the end of the day, even Paul, Paul tried to minister to the Jews and he finally gave up on them because they weren't, they weren't being obstinate. They, they were rejecting, rejecting the message of Christ in Acts chapter 18, verse 6. It says, And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. He's shaking it out, uh, shaking out his, his garment is, is an Old Testament thing that they would do to communicate that y'all rejected the message of the Messiah or the message of God. And it says in that end of that verse 11, he says, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. They, they heard the testimony of Christ and yet they rejected it. This is written by an unknown author uh, that I found. I really liked it. It says, Have you heard the gospel, dear reader, but you have ignored it? Been indifferent toward it and even angered by it? Be very careful for the day may come when the Holy Spirit shakes the dust off His feet and no longer allows the gospel to be presented to you. God will give you up to your debased mind. And the heart gets harder and harder and harder. And next thing you know, you become a Satanist or an atheist. People, it happens. We got to remember the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of sin. It's, that's one of the works that it does. And, and John chapter 16, verse 8, and, and he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Our last point, Jesus gave power to the twelve. So they went out and proclaimed the peop- uh, that the people should repent. Now, one of the things that we see here is we're seeing a mirror of what John the Baptist and Jesus did. Remember back in Mark chapter 1, verse 4, what was John the Baptist's message? John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus' message, His first words for the gospel, as He's going to share and start His ministry in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, when we talked about grace and truth, we went over that on our Wednesday night study. It's very important that you understand that God's grace is there, but at some point He is going to judge. Because you'll have people that say, you know, you're just supposed to love me. But you just got to let me be who I got to be. And, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. If that's where the, you're going to go with that, but, I, you know, if you ask me, well, is the lifestyle I'm living, is it a sin? 
Let me show you in Scripture what it says. Because we're supposed to give them the grace and the truth. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to be harsh with the truth, but you need to share at least the truth with them. Don't bypass the truth and say, oh, God's grace will always be there for you. All roads lead to heaven because they don't. You know, we're, we're going to talk about sin and, and the importance of why we share the truth because, you know, it, I love that it, when Jesus said the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said repent. Right? John the Baptist said repent. The Apostle Paul, repent. Peter, repent. The church has to get back to that. We, we can't sugarcoat it, you know. I've seen pastors go on TV, and they'll ask them about homosexuality, and they go, oh, God loves everybody. God does love you. But he also wants you to understand that the lifestyle that you're living in is sin. And, and that's an easy target for us to pick is that, that lifestyle. But let me tell you something. We're all sinners. Every one of us. Every one of us. You ever lied? You know, ever stole? I did those before I was seven. Both. You know, little sinner. Didn't nobody teach me. At the end of the day, you know, we need, to, we need to preach the kingdom of God, but also repentance. And I love the fact that they're being sent out to do what? Preach and repent. They're teaching repentance. So there's four factors that should prompt us to repentance. First, the knowledge of God's truth should prompt, uh, prompt someone to repentance. That's why we share grace and truth. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 24, it says, Then he began to denounce the cities where uh, most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. This is Jesus, okay? So anyone who thinks that God's not going to judge you, because he goes into the woe to you. And, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the cities. I'll, I'll, we'll get, pick it up in verse 22. This is Jesus speaking. But I tell you, it will be more bearable. And again, you're going to see something again that you'll recognize. But I tell you, uh, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, uh, will be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades, hell. For if the mighty works done uh, in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. They refused to, to, uh, to accept the truth. They refused to repent. And that's, that's Jesus, fully God, fully man, telling them their consequences. The second uh, thing that should lead us to repentance is sorrow. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 says, as, as it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. So real difference here is, is a godly grief. A godly grief. Because people will feel worldly, worldly grief uh, the way that Judas did. Judas had worldly grief. 
Uh, but Peter had godly grief after denying Christ, and it led to his repentance and his spiritual restoration. The third thing that, that uh, leads us to repentance is God's kindness. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? People assume that if God has not judged them yet, they will not be judged. That's not true. God, God's kindness should lead you to repentance. That you haven't been judged yet. You know, you know how you are. I know when I walked into that church in 2008 how bad I was. And how much I needed Jesus. Now there was a struggle between me and the Holy Spirit for about a month. And then I finally... Man, the Holy Spirit convicted me and that was it. Because I realized I couldn't, I, I couldn't continue on. It was His kindness that allowed me to be here this long. Because I could have died in Iraq. Or in the lifestyle that I was running in in Hawaii. Very easily. There are so many times I look back at my life and go, I should have been dead, should have been dead. But that's God's kindness. And it should lead us to repentance. His wrath is going to be poured out. And so that's not a myth. But once he starts to pour that wrath out, there's no reprieve. That's it. And so he wants people to come to repentance. The last thing that we see is it's the fear that will actually lead people to repentance. Fear of the final judgment. Because they know that this world's coming to an end. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, it says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. Anyone who tells you, I don't need to repent, I'm not a sinner, just read Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Because it says He commands what? All people. Well, I'm allowed to live this lifestyle. All people. Well, I want to keep drinking. All people. Well, I like the mess that I'm on. All people. He's like, he's trying to reach everybody. So nobody gets away. You know what I'm saying? It's, there's judgments coming for who? All people. Everybody. And, and so it's very important because he says all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, Jesus. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. See, fear should actually motivate somebody to, to come into no faith because at some point Jesus is going to return. And he's going to come back. And, and if you don't choose to follow Christ here on earth, you're going to be judged for your sin. Amos chapter 4 verse 11 says, I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, one day we may do a study on Sodom and Gomorrah. Because there's so much to learn from that. It really is. There's so much scripture on it too. God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and you were uh, as a brand plucked out 
of the burning, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. When we refuse to obey the Lord, He will gradually turn up the heat. So when you see somebody's life getting worse, God's turning the heat up, trying to draw them back to prompt us to repent and turn back to Him. Remember that, that, that kindness that we spoke about, God leads to repentance, but that path of disobedience leads to what? Destruction. Destruction. And finally, in verse 17, it says, They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And so we see in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 20, it says, The 72 returned with the, the saying, And so the apostles, the 12, were sent out, uh, and, and we see them as they're returning. He says, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Right? And then this is what Jesus said. This is very important. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of, of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in that, in that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You're focused on the wrong thing. Well, we got this authority, this power to do this thing, and we're, they're, they're excited because the, the demons, uh, or they were able to cast out demons, and, and Jesus is saying, look, you need, to, you need to rejoice that your name's written in heaven. It's not, that's really not that, it's important, but it's not important as your name being written in the book of life. That's the most important thing. And it says, and, and he anointed with oil many who were sick, and healed them. One of the things I do want to say here, because when we read this, and also in James chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders for the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Sick can be sick. What I mean by that is you can be actually sick. Fever, the whole nine yards, uh, your surgery, um, uh, cancer, any of those things, you can be sick. Illness. But sick can also mean you're physically weak, meaning that you're, you're spiritually beat down and you need, you need anointing. You need somebody to pray healing over you. The, the, I, I think sometimes we can, we can be at a point where we're um, you know, weak in a way because the word that's translated in the Greek means to be weak weak of the soul you know that you're 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 just weighed down maybe you're weighed down by what what's happening in the world and you just feel out of it and and so you can be anointed by the elders of the church that's one of the things that we do so i love the fact that they anointed with oil and many who were sick and and healed them and so what is our application real quick first application uh jesus sent out the 12 out with specific items and he kept it light and he told them what to carry. How much stuff are you carrying today that God hasn't asked you to carry? Is it, and this is the big one. Is it getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus? And you go, wait a minute, but they're godly things. If God never asked you to pick them up. You know, I talked to a young man yesterday about... Um, 
his next steps and what, what season he's going to be going into. I told him, you could have sat and stayed on that worship team. You could have done it in your will, but you would have been done it, doing it in your own strength. If God is moving you on to a new season, to something else within the church, you need to take that step of faith and do what God's calling you to do. God will find a replacement for you. You're not that important. Right? But you can sit and do that godly thing of worship every week, but do it in your, your own strength. And eventually your flesh is going to come out. And that does happen. So it can be a godly thing too. So if, if God hasn't asked you to carry it, you need to drop it. Let it go. Okay? Let it go. If there's some worry that you've been carrying, drop it. It's not yours to carry. Keep the load light. Focus on the eternal. That's why just write Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2 down. If you memorize any verse, memorize Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Okay? That's a, that's a hard one. And why? Because it's all going to get burned up. Okay? So just, just FYI. So... We can spend some money on some stuff. Half of us got garages that are filled with stuff because the car don't fit there no more. All that stuff. Just think about that. All the stuff in that garage is going to get burned up. I got a garage full of stuff. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of that. So a stack of Bibles. I got books of Bibles that are coming out to divine. Hopefully, we can get rid of some of them to give to people because we want to give them out, and I'll, or even pass them out to some of the churches here, because uh, we we have cases of Bibles that were given to us by one of the missionaries from Miss, uh, from Mexico, and so I'm thinking in my head, I got to I got my kids stuff in my garage. Burn it up, you know. Let it get burned up. All right. Second thing, I get. I need to stop playing. We got to finish up. Uh, second, uh, they will not listen to you when you leave. Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Do you understand that some will actually flat just reject the gospel of Jesus Christ? You need to be, you need to be an understanding of that, that it's going to happen. Remember that verse we talked about uh, where the, the bird comes and just eats up the seed before it ever hits the ground? Some people just flat out reject Christ and there's nothing we can do about it. Move on to the next person. Don't stop preaching the kingdom of God in repentance. Okay? And, and, you know, pray for that person that maybe, especially if it's somebody that's in your life, a son, daughter, or aunt, uncle, or grandmother, grandfather, or somebody, a cousin or somebody, a friend, a friend that you're really good friends with at work, and you're going, man, it just, he, he just is, doesn't want to talk about it. Ask God to soften the heart and create moments for y'all to have those conversations. And when those moments come up, man, be ready to share the gospel. I'm not saying every time you get on the phone with a person that you, hey, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Because you're just beating them over the head. But trust me, when the heat is turned up and they're looking for answers, and right now, in this world, the heat is being turned up on a lot of people, and they're trying to figure out what is going on. They need Jesus. Jesus has the answer that they need. 
Last one. If John the Baptist, if Jesus, Peter, the Apostle Paul all preached repentance, how important is it for us to give grace with truth? And do you feel the church preaches repentance enough today? I think we got soft a little bit on some things. I really do. I, and I'm not saying that in a, in, a, in a way that we should beat people over the head with the Bible. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think we, we, we have to be truthful with the answer. I've seen it time and time again where you'll have these celebrity pastors go on in interviews on secular shows and they'll be asked questions and instead of giving the truth about the gospel they slide to the right and say well God loves that's not going to save that person and I know that's a setup for an argument for the panel but I would rather argue truth with the panel and say, look, this is you're, you, what you're upset with is the Word of God. I'm just reading what Jesus wrote. Okay? And I would rather you be truthful. I, I don't think I've ever seen Greg Glory skate that one of those answers ever. I mean, he's, he tells you straight up, no, well, God's sin is sin. <laughs> it is what it is. And so we need to be truthful about it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray for the event. Uh, this evening we pray uh, for rest uh, this afternoon for everybody to be uh, well hydrated and ready um, and we just ask Lord as as we come together I pray for extra hands of help um, that's always the beauty of the church is, is there's usually always somebody to, to pitch in or help out and so we pray for that today uh, we pray for the setup uh, we pray for the technical stuff I pray for Rob who is doing sound it's 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 never easy doing sound, so I pray for him. There's always going to be some tech, you know, little techie things that happen, and and I pray when those things happen, we would stop and pray. Uh, I pray uh, for Wayne and Court and just everything that they're doing, and uh, for Sarah as well. And I just, you know, at the end of the day, Lord, I thank you so much. To, you know, as as small as we are, we pray, uh, we ask, Lord, that you would send people, uh, that you would send people. Uh, to that that parking lot uh, that they would be encouraged that they would come to know you and that they would be saved um, we thank you and we just ask these things in jesus name amen thank you so much that was pastor michael petit from calvary divine texas remember if you need to get more information on the church you can do that at calvarydivine.org god bless